Hello, my name is Will and you're listening to Exploding Helicopter, the one and only podcast in the world celebrating helicopter explosions in film. Now in 1994, after the huge success of the two Terminator films, Arnold Schwarzenegger and director James Cameron teamed up once again, this time to remake a popular French movie. Mercifully, that film wasn't Jules Jim or The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, but an action comedy called L'Otatal. Their version of the film went on to become a global box office success and is better known to us as True Lies. So given that we're looking at True Lies, it's only appropriate that I employ a motormouth sidekick to distract you from my wooden presentational skills. With me once again is my good friend Dara. How you doing, buddy? Good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm very well. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to talking about True Lies because there's a, a top-notch chopper fireball in this film. This is a rarity. We've got a good chopper fireball. It's a good film with good performances and interesting things to talk about. So really, this should be our best podcast. Whatever you do, don't set a benchmark. We <laughs> we can't live up to whatever you do, man. Let's go low and then everyone will be happy with uh, mediocre podcasts. Yeah, my apologies. Yeah, let's do it that way. But before we get into all that, we've got some exploding helicopter news to uh, talk about. And that's because a trailer has appeared for a new film that's out this year called Operation Cock and Glow. I can barely pronounce it. Cock and Galero. That's my best effort at it. And it caught our attention, not just because it's been dubbed the Ugandan Expendables, but because it also features a new contender for possibly the worst ever exploding helicopter. If you've not heard of it, it's because this is a ultra low budget action movie made in Uganda. We've both watched this. Dara, what did you make of the trailer for the Ugandan Expendables? I'm pleased that Uganda are starting to make films of this nature. Production levels aren't quite what you expect from Hollywood. It's kind of all the things that people appreciate from action films condensed. Uh, I've just seen the trailer, obviously, condensed into sort of three minutes of of uh, shouting, shooting, and explosions. Uh, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm underselling it a little bit. Well, I don't think you are because I mean I would have liked to have introduced the film by telling you something of the plot of this movie, but <laughs> there is no apparent plot to this film. Yeah. I, I think you summed it up best by saying it's shouting, shooting, and, and explosions because that's basically uh, all that we see uh, in the trailer for this film. It's one of those things. It's so bad, it's good. Kind of remind me a bit of Kung Fury, the kind of uh, Mickey take of 80s films. I think this one's trying to be deadly serious, where that one was a bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, and obviously production value is much higher on Kung Fury. This is really done on the lowest budget possible. You know, I think the guys probably scraped together their pocket money for the week and made this. And um, I think they use sort of toy tanks and toy toy vehicles to super, they've superimposed that over the image. Sort of, sort of, sort of something you'd see from like uh, the Adam and Joe show from 19... 19- <laughs> 1991 or something a late night they, they, they've mocked it up in five minutes this is what it looks like yeah i think that's a very good description of what the special effects look like in this film and some of the fight scenes in here it didn't actually sort of look like sort of stunt fighting that you see in uh, typical action movies it actually just looked like they were fighting because... <laughs> <laughs> i think that might have been a discussion over lunch facilities they might have just included that into the film the reason we're talking about this film is because it does include an exploding uh, helicopter in this film. So we see, as you say, a kind of toy helicopter superimposed over uh, a city landscape. And it's shot down by somebody wielding a, a massive machine gun that looks a bit like the one that Blaine had in Predator. And the uh, uh, the helicopter crashes into the ground uh, and explodes in very poor special effects. What did you make, though, Dara, of the exploding helicopter here? 
I think this is fine to view as a trailer, but as a film, I think most people would be bitterly disappointed. I mean, it's a funny joke, the sort of thing if you're bored in your lunch hour and you've got five minutes to kill, you'd watch it and laugh. But yeah, it's it's very, very poor in probably all aspects. But kudos to the Ugandan film industry for uh, bringing this to our attention. And they may not know much about how to make a film, but they know how to market it because they've included an exploding helicopter in the trailer. So, you know, it's instantly on our radar. We're now talking about it. So thumbs on seats right there. There you go. So uh, before we go any further, obviously, I always like to uh, ask you about anything interesting that you've seen lately, Dara. So, uh, yeah, what have you got for us? Well, I went along to our local art house cinema, as I like to do. Uh, I saw Trumbo, which is the story of a um, film writer from the uh, 50s who was caught up in the whole communism scandal and the sort of search to out all it was like the paranoia of the time in the US um, about communists being in their midst. Um, and he was, you know, a very successful writer who was blacklisted and couldn't work in Hollywood and ended up going sort of undercover and uh, writing scripts under pen names and giving them to his friends who weren't blacklisted. And a couple of them, you know, I should have written this down, but a couple of them actually got Oscars. You can help me out with this, uh, Slater. That was the Brave One and the uh, Roman Holiday. Very good. See, I rely on you for the the nitty gritty. A really good film. I really enjoyed... um, Brian Cranston's performance, he's very intense in it. Fairly sort of standard biopic fare. There's nothing too unusual in the, the way it's directed or presented. It's not, you know, it's nicely shot, it's competent, good performances. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's not going to blow you away. I think it's more the performance of Brian Cranston, which is getting applauded. Well, I possibly didn't enjoy this film as much as you did. I'd agree with you, there's some good performance in here, and, you know, it looks, uh, it's a period piece, and it looks looks really nice. But, you know, this is a film all about the Hollywood blacklist, and, it's all, you know, essentially it's got politics at the heart of this film. And the problem I had with this was that actually politics is largely absent from this film. So there's a brief scene at the beginning where Brian Cranston is talking to his very young daughter about what it means to be was trying to explain communism to her mm. and he uses this analogy of a sandwich uh, or sharing your sandwiches with people with somebody who's kind of forgotten their lunch and that's that's as deep into brian cranston's politics as the film goes and the problem for me with that is that when you have all this pressure being applied to brian cranston you know he loses his job he can't work he's he's having to sell the family house you don't understand why is he resisting the, yeah. the you what's know, his motivation what's his motivation why does he feel compelled to maintain his principles under this kind of pressure and because you, you see other characters experiencing the same pressure and they decide to name names to the yeah. to the committee whilst other people you know compromise in in different ways but you don't understand why brian cranston remains true to his principles and so you know the drama has to be sort of understanding where his principles are so that you sort of understand well how he's being tested like where his breaking point is it's a good point you make actually and that is sort of absent from the movie you could just accept that he is a principled man and these are his principles and that is why he's doing this well you've talked about brian cranston's performance in this film you know do you think he's Got a chance for the acting Oscar, or do you reckon that's a done deal for uh, no, that's DiCaprio? That's going to go to a black man. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. 
Okay, I think it's time we found out a little bit more about True Lies, so let's see if Trailer Man can help us out. How'd it go at the convention, honey? You were the big hit of the show. It's fantastic. It's, I love the computer business. For 15 years, Harry Tasker's been leading a double life. Mr. President, one of our best men is inside. Transmitting now. Right on time. I don't believe I've met you before. Rehnquist. Harry Rehnquist. Listen to the following code word. Helen. H-E-L-E-N. Now. They're about to collide. What's your exit strategy? I'm gonna walk right out of the front gate. May I see your invitation, please? Sure. Here's my invitation. Oh, yeah, that worked good. Right out the old front gate. Can you me back a second? Mr. Tasker's office. Hi, it's Helen. Is he in? Harry's in a sales meeting, Mrs. Tasker. It's not like he's saving the world or anything. See, this is the problem with terrorists. They're really inconsiderate when it comes to people's schedules. So True Lies came out in 1994. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as a man leading a double life. His family believe he's just a boring office equipment salesman, but in reality he's a secret agent for a shadowy government intelligence service. These two worlds dangerously collide when Arnie finds out that his wife, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, is having an affair just as Islamic terrorists threaten the United States with a nuclear bomb. So the question then is, can the governator save America from radioactive Armageddon, and will he be able to save his marriage? The film was directed by James Cameron and has a colourful supporting cast, including Charlton Heston, Tom Arnold, Tia Carrera and Bill Paxton. So Dara, what did you make of True Lies? Um, I really like this film. It's one of those ones that I think maybe I watched it during my formative years. So it's kind of stood the test of time with me. Saw it when it first came out. I might have even seen it at the cinema. And it still holds up today. There's not really much that's too dated in it. The, the comedy is great. It's a great mix of comedy and action. Performances are, are gr- fantastic in it. They, we'll talk about that in a minute. But they've got a number of memorable performances. There's one particular scene, which we'll discuss later, which was very memorable, very formative for me. I'm sure you can imagine what that one is. <laughs> and one of the best exploding helicopters in the history of cinema. Well, bold claim, Dara. Bold claim. But uh, yeah, I had a similar view to yourself. I thought this was a really deft blend of action and comedy. Um, it's a really fun film, as you said. It's got lots of colourful characters in this film. And it's, you know, it's really easy to see why this was such a, a big hit at the time. I did have, though, on this rewatch, a kind of sort I did have a few problems with it. I did think, I did wonder about the length of this film. It did feel... Yeah, a tiny bit long, 220. Yeah, and it also felt a bit chunky because it sort of, the plot sort of stops and then restarts. So you've got these kind of two parallel plots with, with Arnie and his wife and then with these Islamic terrorists. And it kind of, they they sort of do move along at twin tracks, but it just sort of feels very much like, right, we're doing... Arnie relationship bit now and all of the terrorism thing goes on the back seat yeah it does drag on a little bit I quite I mostly enjoyed this more for the relationship bit Arnie doesn't get the credit of his you know subtlety of performance and his in his comedy and with James Cameron they've obviously got a good working relationship managed to bring this out of him very well in this film uh, I could have done yeah with about half an hour less sort of cliche uh Islamic stereotypes that whacked in there which you know it's you know would this film be made uh, today in the light of uh, 
could they make something as light as this about terrorism? Well, that's definitely something I wanted to talk about because I find the plot of this film sort of very interesting in a modern context because obviously what you've got here is a blend of comedy and action and the plot centres on efforts of Islamic terrorists to set off a, a nuclear bomb in America. And you wonder in the light of September 11th, Afghanistan, Iraq, and now the rise of ISIS, like, could you make a film like this today where you have Islamic terrorists trying to set off a nuclear bomb in America and it's played as a comedy? The only comparison you could do would be something like Four Lions. I'm sure you've seen that, the um, Chris Morris sort of satire on, you know, the stupidity of terrorism and that's done obviously purely for laugh. It's not really an action film. Would Hollywood make a film like that? I think it'd have to be an indie film. I don't think there's much of an appetite for laughing at terrorism these days in America. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. And Four Lions was like the only film that I could think of that has gone into that sort of territory in, in recent years. And that was made by Chris Morris, who throughout his career has deliberately sort of taken on very controversial mm. uh, material. And he took a lot of flack for making this this film it took a lot of criticism for the approach and the, the topic and the subject matter of uh, of this film and i find it inconceivable to think that a big studio would put you know 150 million dollars into uh, doing a remake of uh, of true lies today it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen i mean there was a planned sequel cameron had was intended to do a planned sequel i think it was going to come out in 2002 obviously 9-11 happened and i think his quote was uh Terrorism is not a subject now to be taken lightly. So I think, you know, that was dead in the water uh, as soon as 9-11 happened. I mean, there's some really quite weird scenes relating to, like, the comedy elements in this film that I just you know, had me really, perhaps saying that I had my, my jaw open is going a little bit too far, but there's a scene in here where the terrorists actually detonate a nuclear bomb in America to highlight the fact that they can, do have this weapon and are able to, to set it off. And it goes off, and it's almost like the punchline to a joke, because as it explodes and you see this mushroom cloud in the background, Arnie then leans in for a romantic uh, snog with Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's just... I, I it's think just, it, it, the explosion nicely lights up their faces, don't you think? I think that's what James Cameron was going for. It was the lighting, really, rather than the impact of a, a nuclear explosion. Yeah. So we've already sort of touched on some of the cartoonish elements in this film, and you know some of the scenes are deliberately aping tropes from other spy and espionage films, and that tone carries over into a lot of the performances. Who did you uh, like in this film? Was there anyone who? Uh, yeah. Who did you really like in this film? And was there anyone that got on your nerves? This is a film where they've cast very well. I really like. Tom Arnold in this as the as the comedy levity, the sidekick. He actually does a really good job. He's quite funny. He's kind of made his career out of being a sort of an oafish smartass. That's his that's his go to sort of performance. And, that's his uh, USP, seen, isn't it? Yeah, it's his USP. I haven't seen him in anything lately. I don't know. You just haven't. He just fell off the radar. I don't know whether he's still paying Roseanne uh, alimony. And uh, I'd imagine it's the other way job. around. You think so? I don't know. Oh it's yeah. But yeah, I, I really liked him. He's really funny in this. Great, great script, great timing. He's really good. I really like Bill Paxton in this. Bill Paxton also, he, he's very good at playing arseholes. He always plays like a, he's either a sleaze bag or he's a annoying or yeah, just the sort of person you wanna, wouldn't want to be stuck in a lift with. And he's really good as the used car salesman who um, turned fake spook, who uh, basically, well, tried to get Curtis in the sack with the uh, limited results. He's very, very funny, very, very good one-liners he's got. He's um, absolutely hilarious in this. Yeah, he and, is. you know, he, he does sleazy really, really well. And I'm, I'm actually sort of surprised 
uh, sort of thinking about his career, I'm surprised he hasn't done uh, sort of more comedy because in this film he's you can see he's just absolute like at ease with doing that type of performance and uh, yeah. yeah, just sort of wonder why he hasn't done a bit more of that type of work. Well, he, he famously or infamously uh, was Chet in uh, Weird Science, the annoying brother. Uh, the military brother who, who basically gives a, the lads a hard time. He's very funny in that. Yeah, I think maybe as his career has gone on, he's gone for more weighty roles. But yeah, he should he should go back to comedy. He's very good at it. I really liked Charlton Heston in this film, and uh, I don't know, I don't know how much sort of Charlton Heston you've sort of seen over the years, but you know he's kind of famous for being Ben Hur for playing Moses. He's always been this sort of paragon of straight laced moral probity, and in this film he's the head of this uh, made up intelligence service. Uh, but he plays the role here with really quite foul mouth dialogue, and I found it sort of quite shocking in the context of sort of Charlton Heston's career to see him be uh, quite so dirty really in this movie I'll be honest with you I haven't seen a lot of his work more for me because obviously he's known to be a renowned actor so I didn't find it as I didn't find it as sort of shocking as you did and obviously he was is it he's going for the Nick I think they based him on is it Nick Fury or someone from a Marvel comic I was reading um you know with the, yeah. with the eye patch and uh, so they've kind of modeled him on an existing sort of character obviously changing his name yeah, he was he was quite good, you know, solid. Wasn't a sort of standout for me. I don't think he had too much. Didn't have too many. Didn't give him any meaty lines or funny lines in order to to match those of uh, Bill Paxton or um, you know of, or Arnie, who obviously gets the choicest material. Now you've mentioned Arnie, what did you think of his performance in this film? I think it was really good. As I say this is probably the high watermark of his kind of action comedy mix that he's very good at. I think this one is more of a lighter film than something like A Total Recall, which has elements of comedy in it and has one-liners in it, but it's more of a sci-fi film, more of an action film. Something like Predator doesn't really get to have much. There's a few lines in there. But it's not really. It's more of an action thing. And then he goes too far the other side with like a, a kindergarten cop or later on. Um, what was the other? I'm just trying to think of the other horrible film that he did. He starts to he starts to veer down a comedy just soul comedy and he's he's good but he does it he's sparingly but not a whole comedy film i don't Do you mean the... twins is that the one you're thinking of twins is all right no, i'm thinking <laughs> a bit, a bit later on in the 2000s he did another comedy thing oh, i'd have to look it up now well, I probably think a little bit less of Arnie's performance than you do in this film. I think he's, I think he's dreadfully wooden in this film. And really? Yeah, I think it's, he's one of the, he just, you know, when he's doing the one-liners, that's okay. He's like within his sort of comfort Call zone. That's but... what is that? Smashing his head in the urinal, call off. <laughs> That's what you want. That's, that's fantastic. But keep it, keep it to the lines. Keep it, you know. But then, you know, there's a scene at the beginning of the film where he's going round a sort of dinner party soiree, and he's flirting with all the subtlety of a sort of stampeding buffalo. Then he has to uh, speak to somebody Arabic gentleman, and he, he sort of speaks to them in Arabic, but it's Arabic with a perfect Austrian accent, which is just. Actually... Actually, it says, I, I remember the exact scene, and it says, it's obviously subtitled, but the, in brackets it says, perfect Arabic accent. Or per, perfect <laughs> Arabic. I swear to God, if you rewatch that, that's what it says. Maybe they had to put that in because his Arabic is so Austrian tinged that they had to like <laughs> try and fool the audience and say that he was such a, a pro. Yeah, he definitely isn't James Bond, let's put it like that. But I would say he is definitely plausible as a tough guy. You'd expect him to do all the, all the action, all the stunts, that um, he does in the film much more than you know, some actors that play James Bond in the past. 
Roger Moore, I'm, I'm looking at you. Wash your mouth out. <laughs> in that respect, he's quite he's a good choice. And I I know I I I bought the sort of love interest between him and Jamie Lee Curtis. I have to mention Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she's fantastic in this film, playing against type as a sort of dowdy housewife. It's very believable her kind of uh, despair with a you know mundane existence and the fact that she wants a bit of excitement in her life. I I I might even say she is the best thing in the film. Did you buy Curtis and Arnie as a couple? Because Jamie Lee Curtis is made to look dowdy in that classic sort of Hollywood way of just basically being given a pair of glasses and a frumpy skirt. <laughs> you know, she's quite, as we uh, see later in the film, she's quite clearly super hot. And Arnie is, you know, meant to be this sort of photocopier salesman. And, you know, he, he's built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he, I don't know whether yeah. he's bench pressing those photocopiers in the office <laughs> or what. Yeah, I, you know, you know, you have to suspend your disbelief <laughs> in Hollywood later. That's how these films get made. You know, got to give them a little benefit of the doubt. I think it was just on the side of believable, but I do take your point. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm busting this film's chops. You know, I, you know, it's meant to be a piece of ridiculous, uh, a piece of ridiculousness. I'm, I'm happy to sort of suspend my disbelief in terms of, uh, in terms of their relationship. But talking about relationships, um, I thought that the, the plot here in True Lies centers on Arnie's relationship with his wife who's played by Jamie Lee Curtis you know she's kind of bored with their suburban life and Curtis is in the early stages of an affair with Bill Paxton's sleazy second-hand car salesman and when Arnie finds out about this he puts Jamie Lee Curtis under surveillance he then kidnaps her at gunpoint he then interrogates her. Thereafter, he then blackmails her into becoming something very close to a prostitute so you know Dara <laughs> you're you know, you're in a loving relationship. Is that type of behaviour acceptable? You know, what did you make of the sexual politics of this film? Well, you know, it's those kind of tropes that I've grown up with by watching these films that I now employ in my personal life. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm very happy with these choices. If you uh, spoke to my girlfriend, she may not be, but, you know, <laughs> I feel that it's correct. I mean, yeah, it's completely outrageous uh, that brackets misappropriation of section resources that Arnie uh, uses to... Basically, yeah, blackmail his wife, threaten her with federal prison if she doesn't comply. <laughs> it's not, it's not a sort of thing you'd probably be suggested at marriage counselling. Uh, it's gonna <laughs> have a longevity in your relationship. So yeah, it's obviously just used so they can shoehorn all in the secret service uh, plot lines. And obviously, as a result of this, you may mock the plot. But we get probably the finest striptease you'll ever see on film take place. It's a fantastic thing to see. One of my formative childhood memories. I really, <laughs> really did enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, did I, you I rewind thought, that moment quite a bit, Dara? Yeah, that was a video moment. That was that's what v- VHS was made for. <laughs> Let's not get too graphic, but you know, you don't see anything, but you see enough. And you're you're an imaginative man as well, aren't I you, Dara? <laughs> okay, I've got good imagination. Trust me. I mean, some people do say that essentially the theme of True Lies is it's all about re-establishing male potency. So you have Arnie, he's lost his wife. His wife's now sort of sexually interested in another man. In the film, we also have Arnie's daughter who's off gallivanting with uh, a tearaway boyfriend. She's got no, she's got no sort of respect for Arnie as the sort of figure of patriarchy in that family. So there's some people have said that you know this basically this film is predicated on arnie's attempt to re-establish his male potency dara what's your what's your feminist reading of this film well in the end he gets to he gets to ride around on a massive machine 
and shoot shoot things from the machine into other big things. Uh, I think that kind of sums up really. He's thoroughly re-established his male patency. What's more potent than driving a Harrier jet around uh, in inner city skyline shooting terrorists and helicopters? You don't get more virile than that. I just the, When I feel most alive is when I'm doing that, to be fair. It's always good to see men back on top. So, <laughs> Yes, where we belong. We're uh, perhaps looking at this film too closely. So uh, if James Cameron is anything, he's an action director. So what did you think of the different sequences we get in this film? Obviously, the action in this film is excellent. It's... Um, I think it's I think it's believable. I don't think it's too overall. He does tone down the action with the comedy elements as well, so it's not all action explosion. Not like a Michael Bay where it's just you know and a barrage of noise and explosions like a child gone mental in a paint factory. Um, <laughs> it, it evens it up. I mean, I really like the scene in the toilet that where, towards the beginning where they terrorists sort of shoot up the toilet and there's a man effing a on there whilst you know everything's sort of blowing up around them it's kind of nicely done and it's uh sort of self-contained i quite like that it, it's not all just about the explosions nice choreographed fight sequence in there as well that's good obviously the chase with arnie on the horse and the bike through the marriott hotel that's quite it's could be okay it's a bit implausible but i quite enjoyed that it was very well orchestrated um and put together and obviously jumping off into the the rooftop pool. I mean, you know, he's berating the horse for not jumping from one roof, <laughs> rooftop to another. I think it's a little bit, a little bit harsh. I think Peter might have a word with him about that. That was a really inventive sequence. I, I, I enjoyed that uh, sequence a lot. I thought it was really fun and cleverly done chase scene through the, through the hotel and uh, onto the roof of it. I thought quite a lot of the action sequences were sort of very deliberately sort of bond pastiches. And, you know, the film opens with this, sequence where Arnie is infiltrating this big dinner party sort of gala and he sort of emerges out of a wetsuit and he's got a tuxedo on underneath and that's sort of a bit of a nod to uh, to Goldfinger and um, I really liked the the chutzpah that he employs as he's sort of sneaking into the the hotel and then that kind of all ends with a big snow uh, snow bike chase there and yeah it was kind of definitely sort of a aping bond there and I thought it came you know that was quite interesting in this film well i think he's he's they're trying to establish his sort of secret service cr- credentials and what better way than doing that than sort of copying uh, the most sort of famous secret service person you know the this the tux and the you know high echelon dinner parties and the schmoozing with uh, the great and the good and then obviously then just kind of busting out so you i don't think you'd see the classic bond sort of getting out the front door he'd be sort of sneaking about a little bit trying to use a bit more cunning not arnie just smack yes yeah, smash his way guy has a has a word with him and you want to see my pass? Here's my pass. Blows up half of the, the mansion. You know, <laughs> that's Arnie. It's nicely done. I think that's it. Fits him. He wouldn't. It wouldn't be. The, you know, you couldn't imagine him sort of sneaking around a, a guy like that. You know, all the way through the action sequences are are, are really nice. And um, obviously the the chopper fireball at the end is the pièce de la résistance, as they say. Well, Dar, I think that's a great cue for us to take a short break. And when we come back, we can talk about that exploding helicopter action in more detail. On the Simplistic Reviews podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk... Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spot sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Download the show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. 
We're back and now we're going to look at the exploding helicopter action and I've been looking forward to doing this film for some time because this is a good one and uh, the crucial scene happens at the end of the film so Art Malik's terrorist absconds to the top floor of an under construction skyscraper with the stolen nukes and Arnie's daughter who he's kidnapped. The deadline for detonation looms so Arnie borrows a fighter plane and jets off to halt nuclear Armageddon and rescue his daughter. Arnie's progeny tries to escape by clambering onto one of the cranes constructing the skyscraper and is pursued by Malik. Enter Schwarzenegger and his jet. There's a complicated fight sequence here, but it ends up basically with Malik dangling from one of the fighter jet's missiles. Meanwhile, Malik's henchmen have turned up in a helicopter. They fire at him before darting around the back of a partially built skyscraper. Spying the chopper through a gap in the building, Arnie fires the rocket, still with Malik hanging from it at the helicopter and the troublesome terrorist is propelled into the chopper where it explodes in fiery helicopter hasta la vista dara what are your feelings on this chopper fireball well it is as i said before one of the best chopper fireballs you see i mean it's very imaginative it's very nicely done i mean the the bits where arnie is kind of floating around the skyscrapers you know he's obviously got he's, he's in a, a marine harrier jump jet so he's able to sort of hover around it's not a typical jet so he's hovering and then uh, our malik is uh climbing all over the fuselage trying to get to him and you know shakes him off it's, it's a it's far-fetched let's not me- mess about it's a bit ridiculous wonderfully convoluted is the One, uh, yeah. is the way i would describe it yeah fair enough uh, it but what makes it for me what i like the best is just really one shot and that's the shot of art malik so they've got the camera facing the uh jet as arnie shoots out the missile that he's he's hooked on he's fallen down he's kind of hooked himself helplessly on this missile you get the him going towards the camera arms waving facing <laughs> abject terror as he's been shot basically on the end of a exocet missile goes through a building and then smashes into the helicopter and the helicopter explosion is fantastic you see a lovely shot from underneath there's all the fiery debris sort of falls down and there's police on the floor at the base of the building who have to scatter for cover as it hits it's just really it's just really funny and really well done it looks real you know for 1994 it looks quite plausible yeah it's it's fabulous yeah, I love the uh, missile cam is probably uh, maybe the yeah. ha- best way to describe that shot that you're sort of talking about as uh, as Malik is uh, being uh, you know, rocketed towards the helicopter. And we also get a fantastic kiss-off line as well. So uh, as Arnie uh, prepares to fire the rocket, he turns towards Art Malik and delivers uh, a suitably wooden one-liner, you're fired. Oh, and, you know, it's always nice when there's a, a good kiss-off line yeah. for an exploding helicopter. Sadly, we don't see... Uh because we've already seen one close-up shot of uh, of someone of art when he you know he's riding this missile we don't get to see the terrorists in the chopper with a similar kind of shocked expression when they see you know art malik coming at 500 <laughs> miles an hour that would have been nice but maybe too much it'd been overkill so you just see the the big explosion but yeah it's 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 ingenious the sort of thing you would expect from a camera who's you know, does these big budget films. I think this was the first film in the history of cinema that went to a hundred million US dollars to, to make. So, you know, he's not shy about these big sequences and, and he can pull them off. 
And I thought there was some actually some nice small details here. So obviously we have the uh, missile cam, we have a great uh, one-liner as part of this sequence, but there are also some sort of good smaller details here. You know, as you've already mentioned, the fact that the wreckage kind of falls towards the camera, but then we also then have a shot of the wreckage landing in the street, and it also lands on a police car as well. So they like thought about, actually, let's make sure that we rinse every last exciting aspect out of this particular exploding helicopter. And I like the fact that it kind of, you know, as I say, like you see the wreckage crash down onto the street and onto another car. And I feel that that kind of finishes off the scene nicely. Sort of too often you still sort of see these exploding helicopter scenes, you know, where there's just a sort of flash and the helicopter's gone and that's it. That's and it's it. Like, yeah, where's, you know, where's all the shrapnel? Where's all the aftermath? That's kind of what makes it real. Definitely. But uh, Dara, I don't know if you had a sense of deja vu when you were watching this particular exploding helicopter scene. No, Will, I didn't. Please enlighten me. Well, this exploding helicopter scene has actually been reused uh, a couple of times in Hollywood films that I am aware of. So uh, I don't know if you have you seen Black Dynamite? Is that the spoof exploitation yes. film? Yes. I don't think I have basically the scene where the wreckage falls towards the camera that is reused in the film black dynamite so uh you know the, if, the exact same footage yeah the exact same footage they've just basically obviously paid to uh, reuse that footage interesting and i wonder it, if you could actually make up a film of other bits of film no one's ever done that well i don't want to go off topic too much but actually there's many instances of uh, filmmakers cobbling together a new film out of footage of other films so it's been done uh, done many times i'm happy to uh, give you a few examples at another time but just start at another time but I, I suspect it's highly unlikely that you've seen uh, this film but there's also a a, a, a sort of director video action movie from the 90s called executive target which has got uh, michael madsen in and that also reuses the the scene where the uh, helicopter crashes uh, down onto the street that is lifted and reused in uh, Executive Target, which, if you do check it out, it's, it's dubbed the greatest car crash movie of all time. But I think it's interesting that even in the greatest car crash movie of all time, it's not enough that you've got all these amazing car crashes. You still have to have an exploding helicopter in there, because otherwise... You, ha- you have to. You're nobody if you haven't got an exploding... If you're, if you're in that genre and you don't put an exploding helicopter in your film, no one is going to see it directors out there listen this is a fact you just you just need to just to do it if you can't afford it do what this guy did in the executive decision buy some footage and just plop it in there that's all you need to do you won't hear any uh, disagreement from me dara well i think that wraps things up nicely for this show dara thanks for joining me once again in the words of arnold schwarzenegger you're fired you gotta do it in the do it in arnie's voice at least <laughs> you're fired Oh, that's that's lovely. That's that's that soothes me. I'll 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 uh, thank you. It was like Arnold Schwarzenegger suddenly was on this podcast, wasn't it? Back in the room. <laughs> Don't forget to check out the Exploding Helicopter website. Follow us on Twitter, or just spread the word about what we're doing. Once you've done that, then you should also go and check out the True Bromance podcast. I was recently a guest on their show to help review Deadpool. Uh, I had a great time chatting with uh, Hiro and Barry. Those guys tell it exactly like it is, so you should definitely go and have a listen to uh, to that show and the rest of the shows that they do. We'll be back soon, but until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. <laughs>
This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.